At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, let's get into the running backs. Let's do it. Uh, Nick Chubb against Houston at number one. I feel like I'm obligated to put him at one against Houston, right? Yeah. Like they have allowed the most rushing yards to running backs this year. They've, they're allowing over five yards per carry to running backs. They're, they've allowed the third most rushing attempts against them over the last four weeks and the second most rushing attempts against them this season. So Nick Chubb can run all over this team. No brainer. You know, this is definitely a slam dunk start. And because we're saying this, he's going to do bad. But I, I actually think that's going to happen. No, he, he'll be fine. Happens. He's going to have he's going to have a good game against Houston. And like I said, you know, now that I talk about it a little bit on the podcast, I'm convincing myself a little bit more that they might lean on the run game with Deshaun Watson coming back. They might not want to put too much on Deshaun Watson in this matchup. Not that he has too much to worry about because Houston's a bad team. But if they want to just integrate him into the system, you know, get him comfortable, it, they might lean on the run game a little bit more than usual. And that yeah. could be huge for Nick Chubb in a matchup this good. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. And, um, you know, like, I, I don't think they want him in the headlines, like, at all this week. No. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> like, just they're going to tell him to go out in the field, just keep your head low, you know, yep. they'll put him out in, like, a, just like a mask, maybe. I don't know, so nobody sees him. <laughs> Did you see the report they're having some of his accusers at the game? Like, that's just wild. I can't believe I think, that. I, I didn't see that report, but I was thinking about it. I was like, maybe he doesn't make it to the game. Like maybe like they, they're just blocking the entrance. Like when he's yeah. like on his way back, like the protesters don't like just get into the street and like don't allow his car to pass. And yeah. then he's just like, and it's over. It's like, all right, well, I guess we're getting another Jacoby Brissett start. Uh, <laughs> no, the thing, it's funny going from Jacoby Brissett, a guy that's like so likable, and you know all the Browns fans, are, you know, giving him his roses, patting him on the back because you know they're yeah. getting Deshaun Watson in as a playmaker. But Deshaun Watson, he's going to be hard to root for. He's got a lot of work to do to clean up, you know, his PR. Even True. though it's been a while, um, we know the type of player Deshaun Watson is. It's just we have to see, you know, that he can stay on the field and not do anything wrong. Obviously, what he did or what he's alleged to do, I don't know. Did they ever prove anything? I have no idea. Like I don't it's know. Just, it's just a fiasco. But this is it's tough, a lot harder to root for Deshaun Watson, I think, as an outside of the Browns fan community person, you know. But we'll, we'll see. I agree. All right, so uh, then you know Josh Jacobs, like, like he's like, oh wait, Josh Jacobs is not number one. So if you're wondering where Josh Jacobs is, he's at number two this week. And I don't know how, you know, I don't keep riding the hot hand here, like with Josh Jacobs against the Chargers. Mm. It's like, who do you put first, Chubb or Jacobs this week against two amazingly terrible rushing defenses? <laughs> But the Chargers yeah. have been the worst over the last four weeks in terms of yards given up to running backs. Uh, you know, Jacobs is dealing with that calf injury. You know, it seemed perfectly fine on that 80-yard, 
you know, game winning touchdown, you know, in yep. overtime last week. He likely won't practice all week. You know, I'd assume he'll play. You know, if you mm-hmm. you might want to pick up Zamir White just in case he doesn't play. But you really want him to play this week against the Chargers after he just had 300 total yards from scrimmage last week. Yeah, absolutely. And I just have to bring this up because I was thinking about it watching the, what's called Josh Jacobs play last week. Do you remember when he was off? He was on the field in the preseason and the panic that was surrounding his name with Josh Jacobs and fantasy. Everyone was like, what is he doing on the field? Why is Zamir White? You know, like, what's Zamir White doing? We're going to have Zamir yeah. White playing this week. He, he's put everything to rest with that. I just remember that. I think it's funny that we had that kind of thing um, going on earlier in the season. And the first three weeks would have told you that it was going to be a bad season, but he had three good weeks. Then after that, cooled down a little bit. He's back on that hot streak and he's back to getting that workload that we saw him get on that hot streak earlier in the season. And 29 opportunities in week 10. And he had 28 opportunities in week 11. And then now it was 40 opportunities last week that he turned into 300 scrimmage yards. It seems like there's a bit of a theme here. If they give him the ball, good things happen. That's going to continue now at this point, especially, you know, with the way the offense has been playing. They've been in a bit more of a groove. They've looked a lot better these past few weeks. Um, and this matchup is perfect for Josh Jacobs. So you just have to hope that this injury isn't an issue. And then you can lock him in for the rest of the season and, and this week especially. And then after after these two guys, we have the top five mainstays like Austin Eckler. We have him at three against Vegas. Derrick Henry at four against Philly. The Eagles have given up the tenth most fantasy points to running backs this year. At this quietly, point, which is, yeah, yeah, quietly, exactly. So you know he's going to be just fine. Um, Mondrick Stevenson, I've met yeah. five against Buffalo. Damian Harris is banged up again. Right. And Stevenson is looking like a league winner right now. Like he's been the most consistent running back all season, right? Following week two, he has not had one bad game in PPR yeah. leagues. Uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't score last week and still had 20 PPR fantasy points. He's only behind Eckler and McCaffrey in running back receptions this year. Yeah. He's you talk- he he's matchup proof, dude. You yeah. Know? So just keep rolling him out as a RB1, especially in games without Damian Harris, who might miss this week. Yeah, you want to talk about consistency. His finishes since week two, he said, RB8, RB22, okay. RB14, RB2, RB5, RB10, RB9, RB14, RB8. That's just extreme efficiency. And he's had a good ceiling, too. It's not like he's doing that and, you know, oh, he's scoring 15, 16 points every week. He, more often than not, has scored 20 points on this stretch of, you know, excellent consistency. And he hasn't been doing a whole lot of touchdown scoring either. So this is a touchdown-dependent production. This has a chance to get better. And with the Patriots in contention, you know, it's looking like it's going to be a wild card spot for them fighting to get into the playoffs. You know, they could be in some games that are close, tight, and that could result in some touchdowns. That regression could be coming. In the past five weeks, four weeks, sorry, he had a bye week. Past four weeks, he has one touchdown, and that was receiving. I think that's going to change at some point here soon. And we've had this type of discussion with the touchdown regression with other players, and we've kind of seen it come in bunches. So, I keep firing up Ramondre Stevenson. I think having him at five might scare a little people off. They may be like, well, what about Travis Etienne and Christian McCaffrey? No, I think that Ramondre Stevenson, he has upside that is untapped. And he's been fantastic still to this point. And he literally has the highest floor of any running back right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, like, it's a very high floor. Can you name one, like maybe Austin Eckler, maybe? But I feel like Stevenson has a higher floor than him, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I, maybe the floor isn't, isn't higher. It's much more secure. I think. Yeah. Because this offense relies on Ramondre Stevenson. 
clearly. And obviously, Definitely. Austin Eckler is a big part of Chargers offense, but they have Keenan Allen now. You know, they have other receivers that can get done. And Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's much different than Mac Jones. Mac yeah. Jones is going to need help, and Ramondre Stevenson is giving him that. So I'd say that Ramondre Stevenson's floor is more secure. Austin Eckler's is still a little bit higher, but Ramondre Stevenson's floor has been excellent this season. Uh, I have Travis Etienne at six, assuming that he plays up against the Lions. Good matchup. High-scoring matchup. You know, so I like him this week. Hopefully that foot injury doesn't slow him down and he can play just fine. It seems like all signs are pointing towards him being okay. So I, yeah. I'm starting him just like normal. Like unless something comes out where before the game, you know, they're seriously questioning his status. I, I'm just assuming he's playing. Like I'm disregarding any type of injury. And you just want to forget last week's performance. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Christian McCaffrey at seven this week. We have no idea what the workload is going to look like this mm-hmm. week for him. You know, without Elijah Mitchell, it could be up. It could be the same or down, you know, given the knee irritation that he has. Um, but, you know, given the fact that it's just irritation, like there's still a chance that he plays a big role, right? Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, on the podcast yesterday, we talked about Jordan Mason. And on Monday, too, we talked about Jordan Mason potentially being the back uh, to get behind McCaffrey. Uh, but Tyrion Davis-Price is healthy now. He had the high ankle sprain earlier in the season, and he's been inactive uh, lately because he doesn't play special teams and Mason does. So it's very possible that TDP is active going forward and is the primary running back behind McCaffrey like he was the primary running back behind Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson earlier in the season. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. And if I'm the 49ers and I'm looking to make a playoff run, obviously this next game against Miami is important, but I would take it easy with Christian McCaffrey. I'm tempering yeah. expectations this week. And I said about it yesterday. It's not this week, next week, that I think I would start putting our, Christian McCaffrey back at the overall RB1, you know, where he could be um, just because of that injury. You know, it might take a little time. I think they got to take it easy with him, let him get clear of it because he's obviously had injury history that isn't appealing for any circumstance, fantasy or just real life. So Christian McCaffrey this week, temper expectations, but I think moving forward, as long as nothing happens, he doesn't suffer any setbacks during the game, that we'll see RB1 Christian McCaffrey the rest of the way after this week. But this week, definitely temper expectations, even though it is a pretty good matchup. It is. And Jonathan Taylor, we have him at eight. Three straight games of 20 or more carries, at least 80 rushing yards, and a touchdown in each of the last three games as well. And the Cowboys, they've given up 4.5 yards per carry this year and 4.8 yards per carry over the last four weeks. Yeah. So this is a pretty manageable game for Taylor. Um, you know, if the Cowboys end up going up in this game fast, the hope is that he had the same role he did two of the last three weeks uh, where he was the every down back and he gets some targets and receptions out of that and, you know, that he doesn't get phased out. And if he had the same role he did last week, we don't have to worry about that. And it would actually increase his upside. Yeah, since Jeff Saturday has been coach, and I don't want to attribute it all to this, Jonathan Taylor has had a much better workload than he had prior to Jeff Saturday being a coach. So that's one thing. He's going to get his work regardless. Um, I think this is going to be heavily featuring Jonathan Taylor, this Colts offense, you know, this coming week against Dallas. Because Matt Ryan, <laughs> if you watch him running around in that in that pocket against TJ Watt. and the If you the, call it running around. Yeah, running around. He is so slow. And it that what do you expect from Matt Ryan? You know, he's aging. He, he was never mobile, a, mo- a mobile quarterback in the first place. But with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence chasing him around 
Oof. He's not going to be able to get anything done. They can't drop him back more than 30 times this game and expect to win. You know, it's going to be a game that features... JT has forward. to be involved in the pass game, right? Yeah. Like in this one. In, in all aspects of the game. The run game and the pass game. He's their best playmaker on offense. Michael Pittman is a close second, but he just doesn't get used for some reason. He had an okay game last week. But, you know, Jonathan Taylor has to be the focal point of this offense. And he can do some damage against, like you said, this kind of shoddy Cowboys run defense. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Paris Campbell needs to get involved again, too, you know, because of the fact that, yeah. you know, he runs those short routes and he needs to be hit quick, you know, like with that pass rush coming this week. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. We'll we'll, we'll see uh, how they end up working that out. But Taylor's usage, you know, it's a big sigh of relief from what, yeah. you know, where we were, you know, several weeks ago with Jonathan Taylor. But at number nine, we have Joe Mixon. He should, you know, be back this week from the concussion, you know, against Kansas City, high scoring game, solid RB one this week. Uh, Kenneth Walker, have him at 10. He hasn't been getting the production on the ground, but he's on a good offense. And because of that, he's had a nose for the end zone. He scored nine touchdowns in his last seven games. Yeah. So I'm going to just continue to start him and hope that continues. Yeah, with Kenneth Walker, I don't think you have anything to worry about. <laughs> it looked like it was going to be a huge day last week because in the first 30 seconds of the game, Kenneth Walker had a touchdown, and that was after the Raiders had, quote-unquote, possessed the ball. So it looked like it was going to be a big game, but it really didn't amount to much. What was his output? I think it wasn't anything really impressive at all. He had two touchdowns, uh, but he couldn't get anything going on the ground at all. Two touchdowns, 26 yards on 14 carries. That's pretty bad. I don't expect that to continue. I don't think that's going to keep happening. And it's funny because the week before that, he also had a bad game on the ground against the Buccaneers, Um, 17 carries on 10 yards. So kind of – it's a worrisome trend. I don't think that's going to continue happening. We know who Kenneth Walker is as a runner. Um, and he should get a little bit more passing work than he did last week, too. He only had one target. He caught it and took it for 13 yards. It was a weird game overall in a high-scoring game. I expect him to have more points. But, you know, he got it done for you regardless. Uh, against the Rams, they shouldn't have any trouble moving the ball. Yeah, I'm not worried about the 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 matchup itself. Like the Rams, yeah. you know, yards per carry base, basis, like they're, they're, they're relatively good against running backs. But... They're going to have enough time, you know, they're not going to have an easy time sustaining drives on offense. That means that that the Seahawks offense is going to have the ball a lot. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that, you and then what does that mean? If they're up, they're going to run the ball. Um, And then they're going to be able to move the ball through the air, too. Yeah. If you're possessing the ball for a long time and you want to control it, if they're, if, it's bad enough that the Rams are probably not going to have the ball a lot just because of their offense. But with the rent, with the Seahawks getting the ball a lot, the easiest way to control the clock is to run the ball. So they don't even have to be up. You know, they, they can take control of the game just by running it. Kenneth Walker is a very good talent, you know, to the point where you don't have to worry about handing it to him. If you hand it to him 20 times, he's going to do very well for you. I got Aaron Jones at 11. He's been getting it done lately, man. He is this, and this is a good matchup against Chicago. He's also been playing more lately. Yeah. 70% of snaps, 66%, 71% over the last three weeks. That's what you want to see. You know, even though AJ Dillon had a good game last week, his role didn't change at all. Um, no. so I wouldn't expect AJ Dillon to do anything this week. Oh, uh, you know, this is a good matchup too, but th- he's had good matchups in the past. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about a- that for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is going to continue to do his thing. He had a big week last week and that could continue. Um, and you know, I have, you know, these guys that I just mentioned over Dalvin and Saquon, uh, mm-hmm. who I have at 12 and 13 respectively, you know, Saquon against Washington, you know, this has honestly been a relatively tough matchup for running backs. And he hasn't looked like himself over the last two weeks since he had that 35-carry game against Houston. Yeah. Um, Dalvin Cook against the Jets, you know, tough matchup for him as well. Would you have Cook higher than Aaron Jones or Kenneth Walker this week? 
I would only put Dalvin Cook over Aaron Jones just by his name value. I mean, you know, that's that's what it comes <laughs> down to. Um, the way he's been playing, I think Aaron Jones does deserve to be over him in these rankings. I think I think putting Saquon at 13 might be a little bit disrespectful. I might put him over Aaron Jones at this point underneath Kenneth Walker just because he was still able to get it done last week against Dallas. You know, he had 15 points in PPR. So it was it wasn't bad, but it, it wasn't what we've come to expect from him. I mean, you look at what he had in terms of points, you know, the weeks before that 35 carry game and that bye, he had 15.2 points, 17.5 points, 18.5 points, 19.6, 18.2. He's had a nice floor, you know, but we, we didn't really see a whole lot of upside besides that first week where he finished as the RB1 um, overall. So I, I think it's a little bit disrespectful to have him this low. I, I would put him in the top 10 definitely. And against Washington, you know, division games tend to get um, – a little bit, they could be a little bit messy. The Washington, you know, they're good, but I, I think that Saquon Barkley can do his thing against Washington, and he plays Washington twice in the next three weeks. Yeah, no, he does. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not feeling him. I mean, 15, no, carries, okay. for, 15 carries for 22 yards against the Lions, 11 carries for 39 yards last week against the uh, against the Cowboys. He's not efficient in the pass game, you know, all year long, which is extremely surprising for so, me personally um yeah a, i'm not sure what's going on with saquon over the past couple weeks yeah i was gonna say what do you attribute that to you know i like, don't know i don't know I, I i don't know what to attribute it to also you know he, i'm surprised he hasn't gotten more work over the past couple weeks too like yeah you, you know these that. games were relatively close right and i feel like he would have he should have been more involved you know in the run game at least last week um well okay and then, yeah you know what i mean that's one thing you could look at because the three weeks before the bye and that 35 point 35 of rush game, he had 22, 24 and 20 carries. So he averaged 22 carries a game. And these past two weeks, he's averaged 13. Um, he's gotten a little bit more work in the receiving game. He has 11 targets over the past two weeks. So that's kind of, you know, kind of evened it out. But I, I don't think that is enough to say that, OK, he's not going to be able to finish inside as an RB1, you know, on a yeah. weekly basis, especially against Washington. I, that's just the yeah, way I feel week, about it. I, but, do you, you know. why like like why do you think Washington is Washington like a, a supposed to be like a good matchup or something? Because oh, it I'm not calling looks, them a good matchup, but just Washington, they've I think they've looked better these past few weeks than they are, and we'll see right. how they do. Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, I I, I get it. The, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons I ranked him below Dalvin Cook and um, Kenneth Walker is because of the offense too, and and that's true. I, I I think in terms of like who has a better chance of getting a goal line touchdown, I'm like all right. I think Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Kenneth Walker, those guys probably have a higher chance of scoring. So that's kind of why I have him there as well. It's so true. it's 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 interesting because I love Saquon. Having yeah. him ranked at 13 is disrespectful as hell. <laughs> but <it is laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what he does. It would be funny if he came out and had like an RB one week. It'll also be funny if he came out and did really bad. He could be we'll the overall he could be the overall RB one any week. Like it can yeah. Like, yeah. you know. But he's like a way- great, he's a great contrarian dfs play this week yeah you do mention that his offense though it could be damien pierce syndrome like you said and that's the way you said about that yesterday i'm kind of taking that one for me but that is a true condition that's what we're going to call it from now on when you have have no running back on a bad team yeah there's nobody else i mean i guess defenses if they can key in on saquon and stop him it's like no saquon no offense that's been the story that's the problem um i got tony pollard here at 14 against indy um, he had 20 opportunities last week against the Giants. Quiet game for him, like in terms of production. But you know, 20 opportunities for Tony Pollard, like, like I'll take that all day long. Yeah. Um. You know, and with Zeke back, you know, he is slightly limited, but the upside is too good to bench right now. Um, his role right now 
is better than it was earlier in the season when Zeke was healthy. You know, he had yeah. one he had one week above 50% of snaps from weeks one through six. The last two yeah. games with Zeke back, both games he was above 50% of snaps. So he has a role. You know, he, there's a good chance that he can out-touch Zeke most weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm all about it. Yes, he might lose that first opportunity at the goal line, but they're not giving all of the goal line opportunities to Zeke. They're going to give some to Pollard. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's kind of what you're hoping for. But he always has that big playability. So it's really, really hard for me to have Pollard on my bench any given week right now. Tony Pollard, you know, he has the talent. We know we've seen what he can do. But, like, this is the first time that he's gotten a full workload, I think what we'd call, and he hasn't done well. The, yeah. the first, the past three weeks before that, he's gotten his full workload, quote-unquote, and he's done fantastic. 33-21-36 PPR fantasy points in the past three weeks that he's played before this last eight-point performance. The role has not changed. And this kind of goes back to what we say a lot with receivers and getting targets. You know, 20 opportunities for him. is They're not going to lower that. It might go to 15 or 16, but it's not going to be significant to where he gets like, oh, he had an eight-point fantasy game. You know, we're going to give him eight touches. You know, no, that's not how it's going to be. Tony Pollard's going to continue to be a big part of this offense. And it's a better matchup. The Giants are quietly a better matchup for the for running backs. You know, I'm not better in terms of their ability to stop them, I should say. But, um, I have no worries about Tony Pollard moving forward. He's much more dynamic than Zeke still at this point. And Zeke might get the goal line carries, but Tony Pollard gets red zone carries a lot. You know, if it's not on the yeah. goal line, he when they're close and they're in the red zone, he, he gets carries there too um, because he can hit it in from 10, 10 yards out easy. Yeah, and when he's on the field, the defenses don't know what they're going to run. Like when Zeke yeah. is in the backfield, it's like, all right, well, they're probably going to run the ball, right? Yeah. So and, and like now with Pollard in the backfield, it be, makes their offense so much more dynamic. So that makes a lot of sense to – have them on the field when they're on like the 17 yard line, you know, or the 10 yard line. Yeah. Um, I have Jamal Williams at 15. Can't leave his touchdown upside on the bench. It's really hard to, you know, against Jacksonville high scoring game, like we mentioned multiple times, like I want him in my lineup this week. Yeah. He, he's just kind of been like an auto start, which is funny because, you know, you have DeAndre Swift in that same backfield and the offense, it's been good, but not great. They still have him. I'm on Ross St. Brown and he's just continues to score touchdowns. He did a funny thing these past few weeks where he scored one touchdown, three touchdown, one touchdown, where he used to score just two touchdowns or no touchdowns. That's it. <laughs> um, but, you know, the touchdown upside, I think, is there. He's going to score touchdowns. Like, that's just a fact of life now. I think he's tied. He has as many touchdowns this season with the Lions as he had his whole career with the Packers. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're going to keep using him that way. And you can't leave that on the bench because it doesn't no. matter if he has 40 yards rushing. If he has two touchdowns, you're going to do fine. If he has one touchdown, you're going to do fine because he could catch a pass here or there. Um, the last few weeks, he's had zero targets. But, um, you know, he, he's definitely the lead back in the Lions backfield. And he's not a bad back. This isn't a volume thing. This is him being also just talented. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. David Montgomery, I have him at 16 against Green Bay uh, ahead of Alvin Kamara. You know, Kamara yeah. has really been letting us down lately. He's had some tough matchups. This is, you know, this one against Tampa is relatively tough too. But Montgomery has a great matchup this week against Green Bay. Uh, he's going to get almost all of the rushing work. You know, Darrington Evans doesn't have as big of a role as he did last week. But the Packers have given up the second most rushing yards over the last four weeks. They've given up six total touchdowns to running backs in that span. And that turns into the third most fantasy points given up to running backs over the last four weeks. So they've been bad against yeah. running backs all season long. Um, even five yards per carry to running backs. They, they've been giving up all year long. So, you know, I think this is going to be a David Montgomery game. And, and yeah. by the way, you know, Montgomery has gone over 100 yards from scrimmage each of the last two weeks. Yeah, David Montgomery, It's we never had questions about David Montgomery and his fantasy relevance without Khalil Herbert in the lineup. You know, that was kind of the idea moving into coming into the season that David Montgomery is going to be a lead back and Khalil, Her- Khalil Herbert might be like spelling him and that's about it. They started to shift to a hot hand approach like we had the, I forget who came out and said it was the head coach, I think it was. They, they came out and said that they'd use a hot hand approach, but that's no longer an option, obviously, with Khalil Herbert on IR. So David Montgomery is going to get his full complement of work. And he's done exactly what we expected him to do with it. He's, he's been a solid running back for you the whole time. I don't think the upside is there because the offense, it might be bad now, again, because Justin Herbert is, not Justin Herbert, Justin Fields is a low banged up and they lost Darnell Mooney. So that passing game might not be as effective a compliment anymore, uh, but he's going to have a nice floor for you every week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores a touchdown. And I'd have him over Kamara, definitely. I know you were a little bit, it seems like, you, you must have been a little bit tied on who you were going to start uh, put over who you're going to put over who with Alvin Kamara and David Montgomery because I know you made a la- it was a last minute change. Yeah, like once I realized who David Montgomery was playing this week and then I looked at his opportunity over the last two games. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing Montgomery over him. Like and then I saw how bad the Packers have been against the run and I'm like, oh okay, like I'm playing Montgomery over so Kamara this week. It and could Kamara has just been disappointing. It could look bad for Green Bay because they just got punched in the mouth for 363 rush yards, so that might inflate it just a little bit if you're looking at season well, long stats they've been bad all year long yeah too. like every single week like they're they've been top five you know yeah. in, in in rushing yards given up to running backs and in uh in yards per carry given up to running backs too it'll be interesting to see how they turn around i don't imagine them coming through and correcting it like it could be another 200 yard performance total on the ground um not for dave montgomery but just as a team for the bears but if that happens dave montgomery's probably a big reason why for sure um, I think that's it. Who do we else have? Oh, who, who else do we have? We have Leonard Fournette. Uh, so no, we don't. I'm assuming <laughs> Leonard Fournette is playing. Yeah. So I have Rashad White at 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. If Fournette plays, I have him at 18 as a solid RB2 because I'm, I'm going to assume that Fournette, you know, if he plays, you know, he might not be, you know, as, you know, usable. Like they might not overuse him this week in his first game back. So I'm okay playing Rashad White as a solid RB2. Um, if yeah. Fournette wasn't playing, I'm going to move Rashad White uh, up pretty high. Uh, I'll probably have him ahead of, I would say, Pollard. You know, I was something say, like that. Can you put him over Dalvin Cook and Saquon? I don't think I would. I don't know. I think I think he'll have like a higher floor in PPR leagues. Like, you know, his usage in the past game last week was very intriguing. He called all nine of his targets. Um, you know, and the Bucks play on Monday night too. So hopefully we know Fournette's status before then. But – uh, yeah, I, I, I think I would play him over Pollard for sure. I'm not sure if I'd play him over Saquon and Dalvin Cook. I might, though. 
I might. I think that he has a hot Saquon has a floor too, though. I, I might just yeah. put him over Pollard at 13. I, I would put him over Pollard too. And that's I wouldn't put him over Saquon and Dobbin Cook because you think about it. We talk about starting your studs. And this isn't like, oh, they're having bad performances. You know, Saquon, we said, is has been serviceable. Dalvin Cook, he had a quiet game or two. It, he'll be fine. We've seen what he can do. Their upsides are still, I think, better than Rashad White with Leonard Fournette in the backfield. I mean, not if Leonard Fournette, if we're saying if Leonard Fournette doesn't play. They're still better, yeah. I think, than Rashad White. They all have comparable upside. I think that they're the lead backs in their backfield. There's no question that they're going to get the ball. So I, I would leave. I would leave Rashad White underneath them too. Okay, okay, and then I got Jeff Wilson at uh, at nineteen here. Um, even if, you know, like this is similar to what you were saying with Tua, right? Like it's a tough matchup, but there could be some scoring in this game. Um, mm-hmm. So I like how Jeff Wilson's used. It, it seems like Raheem Mostert might play this week, apparently, according to um, Mike McDaniel. Uh, and by the way, I've been loving all the videos that have been going up on social media about Mike McDaniel. Like I've been digging that. Like, yeah, it's been great. Like he's, he seems like a cool, cool coach to, to play for. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been fun watching that. Uh, but that's besides the point. Um, the fact of the matter is like, I'm okay playing Jeff Wilson, you know, as a, as a solid RB2 this week, despite the matchup, just because I think that Miami isn't going to get shut down this game and he's going to be their primary running back. Who knows if Mostert is going to be at hundred percent or not in this game, even right. if he does play. The Dolphins' offense isn't going to get shut down, and the Niners' defense isn't going to get run all over. I don't think they're both very good units, but they're going to be throwing punches the whole day. Um, I'm not as confident about Dolphins running back in this matchup just because it is a tough matchup, and I think Tua has talent that Jeff Wilson, even though he has looked good, uh, doesn't have. Um, And obviously I'm comparing apples to oranges here by talking about Tua and Jeff Wilson in terms of their talent. But the way this offense operates, it's pass first. I would temper expectations with Jeff Wilson. I think this is an appropriate ranking for him because we've seen what he can do. He's on a much, he's on a very strong offense, so he should be able to get it done. But I'm tempering expectations. The upside isn't going to be the 23, 20 some points that we've seen the past few weeks with him. Yeah, I might end up moving him down because um, I would, I was assuming that Raheem Mostert wasn't going to play again this week, yeah. so he might end up moving down just a little bit. So that those those rankings will be updated hopefully tomorrow. Um, and it'll be up on the Patreon page. By the way, you know, if you want the full rankings, like all of it, including positional flex rankings, all of it, that, that's available on the Patreon page. And that's that link is, you know, in the description of the podcast and on yeah. YouTube as well. I got Damian Pierce at 20 and he's staying afloat right now because of the matchup against Cleveland. He's at mm-hmm. home. You know, it's such a good matchup on the ground for him. So that's why it's tough. It's like, what do you do with Damian Pierce? Do you play him? Do you bench him? What do you do? So it's one of those situations where he is capable. He's still talented. He's still capable of, you know, having a hundred yard game. I think now yeah. is it likely, I don't know, <laughs> but, but at the same time, since he's at home, this is a good matchup. I'm okay playing him as an RB two this week, but temper expectations. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's looked, it's not his fault, but he has been bad for fantasy the past few weeks. He's exactly eight rushing yards these past two weeks. This is a much better matchup. They better give him the ball. You know, he had five carries last week. That's pretty bad. And granted, the game script was horrific. But with Kyle Allen, at quarterback, what are you doing going away from Damian Pierce so early? Like, come on. You're going down. You knew They knew they weren't going to win this game anyway. But at least show some semblance of confidence of knowing that you have your best playmaker in the backfield. They weren't giving him the ball. I couldn't believe it. Um, I don't think that's going to continue. I think they're going to get back to him this week against Cleveland because it is a good matchup, but also because – they are running out of options. It doesn't matter who they start a quarterback. This offense is horrific. And Damian Pierce is going to continue to suffer from that. 
his ceiling is not very high at all, but he's good enough where his, I think his ceiling falls right in that RB2 range, like you said. And this is, I don't want to call this a ceiling. I think his ceiling would be like RB17 on the week because it's off. Yeah. And, and I'm starting him over Miles Sanders. You know, I know Miles Sanders had a huge week on yeah. Monday night, right? But he's going up against Tennessee. You know, Miles Sanders isn't as involved in the past game, you know, than someone like, you know, I was a lot higher on Samaj P. Ryan last week because of the fact that, you know, I think he could have got it done the past game. Miles Sanders, you know, he's kind of involved in the past game, but nothing too crazy. So I'm not. I think the Eagles get it done, you know, through the air and on Jalen Hurts' legs rather than Miles Sanders' legs this week. So yeah. I'm tempering expectations for Miles Sanders. Um, and then Isaiah Pacheco at Cincinnati. Do they activate Melvin Gordon this week? I don't know. It depends on that. Like, if Pacheco gets all the work again, if Melvin Gordon isn't active this week, I think Pacheco, you know, will get, you know, 90% of the rushing work, which he got last week, which is awesome. That's what you yeah. want. Um, but, like, it's a little iffy. For me with Pacheco moving forward. Um, did, did that happen yesterday? When did Melvin Gordon sign? Did we I talk think it about was that at all yesterday. The, I, I think it was yesterday or the day before. But it sucks because just as soon as we start to get comfortable with the Isaiah as of Isaiah Pacheco getting the majority of the run run game work, they go and add Melvin Gordon. And he's gonna do the exact same he th- thing he did, I think, if they activate him that he did to Javante Williams, which yeah. is so annoying. <laughs> Melvin Gordon has officially become the most annoying player and ruining backfields. Almost right. Almost behind his former teammate Latavius Murray. <laughs> <laughs> they both are now relegated to that role of just just spreading out touches in the backfield. That's it. Listen, at the end of the day, if Melvin Gordon wasn't fumbling the ball like he like he has been, he's a better running back than Isaiah Pacheco. You know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think Melvin Gordon could take over this backfield, unfortunately. I really do. Like, if Andy Reid has more tolerance for the fumbles, and, you know, he definitely has to clean it up because he's been losing a lot of fumbles this this year. He yeah. really has to clean that up. It's almost like he was, he was like, sabotaging that, that offense. But yeah, So Russell Wilson can hang his hat on the fact that Melvin <laughs> Gordon was sabotaging his Broncos offense. <laughs> Exactly. That is worse in the league in scoring and in the exactly. past 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> there, uh, that was it. How did we miss it? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Pacheco this week can get it done. You know, we, you know, even if Gordon is active, you know, it would be his first week with the team. So, you know, I'm not overly concerned about it. I'm still willing to start Pacheco this week. But, yeah. you know, he's more of a back-end RB2. Yeah. Uh, only one catch last week, so not super involved in the pass game. However, we did bring up the fact that he did run a ton of routes last week he only ran like five less routes than Jerick mckinnon did so hopefully that increases as well moving forward yeah it's a good matchup so i wouldn't be surprised to see him used in new ways you know if they're going to bring out a new package for isaiah pacheco and surprise the bengals you know any week it would be this week because they're going to need their offense at full force and if they need to go to somebody who it doesn't usually make plays isn't usually making plays isaiah pacheco i think his talent is good enough where he should be getting some more looks in the passing game Zeke at 23 against Indy. Um, you know, Indy has given up a lot of touchdowns to running backs. So, I, you know, he's one of those guys. Zeke is like, you know, he might not get a lot of rush uh, rushing yards, but, you know, he'll give you like 14 carries for like 52 yards yeah. and, you know, a touchdown. Hopefully that's the line that you want to see. Set aside, set aside what we saw from him on Thanksgiving. Zeke is the definition of a touchdown dependent RB2. That's just what he is. And if he... He's he's going to be an RB2, I think, every week. But the difference between a low-end RB2 and a high-end RB2 is going to be a touchdown. 
And that, that's what it is. Definition of touchdown dependent RB2. He's stuck in that range, but he's not, he doesn't have the upside anymore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, I got Cordell Patterson next here um, at 24. And the reason why, I ha- like, this might be a little high for some people, but, you know, he did share the rushing workload with um, Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier. Mm-hmm. last week. They both had 11 carries. However, you notice a little bit of an uptick in the pass game. He had five targets in this game, only three catches for 19 yards, but it's actually correlated to the amount of routes that he ran last week. We saw a big uptick there. Okay, so Patterson, if you have him, he actually, you might not have realized it, but he actually got a significant upgrade last week. And if you look at the amount of routes that he's been running, he's been around 30% of, you know, in terms of route participation for this year. Um, but he ba- he moved that all the way up to 63% this past week. So if he's going to get, you know, 50% of the rushing share and 60%, 65% of route participation, that is really good. And he might see more targets that go around. Now, this is a, you know, run first offense, right? So keep that in mind. But yeah. in games where, you know, he might, you know, you might have to pass the ball a little bit more and you can't run the ball as much. Like against Pittsburgh, they have a good rushing defense. They might want to have Patterson run, uh, you know, run more routes. You know, we could see more of that moving forward. So Patterson, you know, going forward, like that's kind of what we saw last year. It's kind of what we saw early on this season with Cordell Patterson. Like he has yeah. that multi-use skill set. You know, hopefully they continue to use him like that as well. Because last year, the targets that he was getting, that's that really catapulted him, you know, to an every week start. Yeah, and that that would do the same thing for him this year. The thing about Cordero Patterson, you know, this offense is thin at receiver in terms of talent. You know, if they need to move Cordero Patterson to a point where he's getting some more targets in the passing game, that's not going to be bad for him or the offense overall. Um, you forget that Cordell Patterson was a wide receiver, I think, before he went to running back when he went to Atlanta. But he definitely has a chop for it. We've seen it. He did it in week one, and that you know passing game work really p- propelled him to a strong finish. I think he was the RB5 that week. And then last week we saw it. Even though he didn't get much done on the ground and he didn't score a touchdown, he had those five catches. It made him relevant, even though it wasn't a very good game for him. So if we could see that moving forward, um, he's going to be fine for you. I'm not really expecting too much from him. Um, in terms of ceiling, because Tyler Algier is there, and Tyler Algier yeah. is good, I, I don't think he's going to take and like so much work that Cordero, Cordero Patterson shouldn't be started. But this, I think, is where his ceiling kind of settles for me. Um, Mid RB two might be where I see his ceiling um, yeah. at the absolute highest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of like a, similar to the Antonio Gibson role. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's a really good comparison. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Fournette at 25 here, you know, assuming that he plays, he's a risky start to me, but I really want to see what the practice reports look like. These can go up and down. Usually we do these rankings on Thursday and we have a little bit of an idea of like what these guys statuses are, but we're doing a little bit earlier and that's kind of a good thing because you guys are going to have the rankings earlier. You can make decisions earlier in the week and the rankings will be up on Thursdays. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's, you have, you have all the rankings, all the rankings before the Thursday night game kicks off. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then Antonio Gibson at 26 here against the Giants this week. You know, you know Brian Robinson, I have him at 28, and you might be a little surprised by that, uh, that I have Gibson higher. But I just – the usage for Gibson and, you know, how he's being used, you know, in a large sample size, he has a higher floor than Brian Robinson. Um, yeah. And I just – especially in PPR leagues, I'd rather start Gibson going forward over Robinson. Um, but the, what Robinson showed last week in the run game – it was good for him. That means that he is startable moving forward. I have Antonio Gibson at 26. I have Robinson at 28. 
Okay, so it's like yeah, you know, they're not too too different, but I can see Gibson on average, you know, outscoring Robinson, you know, for the most part. Yeah, and I, I agree. The role <laughs> I have Brian Robinson. I'm sorry to him in a couple of leagues. He did well for me last week. So Definitely. I might be a little biased here. He looks like he's getting better, you know, in this offense. And they obviously want to give him the ball. But if you show me these two guys, their stat lines and their usage, you know, Antonio Gibson is going to be my pick all the way because he gets more of the receiving work. And he does look a little bit more explosive than Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson, he's a tough runner, but he's not explosive like Antonio Gibson. And um, I think it makes sense having Antonio Gibson over him this week yeah. and moving forward. And the perfect guy to split them up the middle, you know, is yeah, DeAndre Swift. Swift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the good thing about Swift is that last week his role did increase a little bit. Um, he started to get a lot of the two minute offense back. Actually, yep. let's let's take a quick look at it. Like he he didn't have any of it. <laughs> and he no. finally, you know, outtouched and had more opportunities uh than Justin Jackson last week. So that's Woo. good. He's moving in the right direction here. <laughs> a high bar to um, clear. But uh, but yeah, sixty-seven uh, percent of the two-minute snaps last week, seventy-five percent of the third and long snaps. That's what you want. Okay, he wasn't getting. He was. He didn't pass forty percent since like week three. Okay, so like, yeah. obviously he was hurt, you know, for a while, but it's been like that. And now he got some of his rollback, which is awesome. That's what you want. So now, I'm finally willing to start him uh, as like an upside flex play right now. Yeah, I think that makes sense. He's an upside flex play. He's looked better. He's he looked better last week um, than he did any of the other weeks before that. And he was kind of, if you want to call it, getting it done for you by scoring touchdowns those weeks. But he's still far away from what he needs to be the running back that we wanted him to be this season. He's not going to be an RB. I I, I think he's going to get capped out as a solid RB two. That's where I could see him finishing if everything goes right. But the way they're using Jamal Williams, and he's just, you know, a touchdown magnet, DeAndre Swift is going to have a hard time, you know, climbing into relevance behind that, unless he's getting a lot of the receiving work. And he has been splitting he, he, he that does with need, Yeah, and he does need more rushing work, you know, in yeah. order for him to kind of be – he doesn't need all of it. He doesn't need, like, more than Jamal Williams necessarily. But give him, like, 12 carries. Give him double-digit carries we're at least. Yeah, yeah. at least exactly. double-digit carries. I mean, <laughs> you know, eight targets last week and three targets the – Two weeks before that, that's not bad for a running back. You know, if if you're asking me, DeAndre Swift should have at least six targets a game. But that's just me. Um, but the running work has been what's been pulling him down a ton. He hasn't had a total, a yardage total over 20 yards since week three. And he only had 31 that week. So that's going to be the issue for him moving forward. Um, yeah, with, without that, he's very, he's just like a fluky flex start for it. Zonovan Knight, I have met 29. And then we talked about him a bunch uh, right in the early part of the episode. So if you missed that, you can, you can, we could talk about That's like the first thing that we talked about this uh, on today's podcast. Yep. Uh, and then Devin Singletary at number 30. Tough matchup against New England. You know, with Josh Allen getting a little bit healthier, I don't know if he gets those goal line carries as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that's kind of where I have him. And New England hasn't allowed a ton of fantasy points two running backs this year a lot of i think they only they've only allowed one touchdown one rushing touchdown to running backs this entire season so yeah something to keep in mind if you have devin singletary if you need 10 points put devin singletary in your lineup sure that's what that's what he's good for i mean i i, I guess there might I don't be a even know if he's gonna hit that this week <laughs> no maybe not this week but you look at his you know totals this season he's had 
I think he's averaging like 12 or 13 points, you know, yeah. and that's without a lot of touchdowns. I think he's four total touchdowns on the season. So he's a pretty solid start. He's almost like Najee Harris with just a little bit more upside. <laughs> a little bit more juice. A little bit. Um, by the way, um, if you're trying to figure out like what the situation is in Pittsburgh in the backfield, Najee Harris, Benny Snell, Jalen Warren, I have no idea. Uh, yeah. you know, we're in the same boat because it really matters. You know, Jalen Warren, he has the hamstring injury. You know, we don't know if he's going to play this week as of right now that the running back, you know, would be Benny Snell. If Najee yeah. Harris can't play, if Jalen Warren can't play, Benny Snell would get the start. You know, he would be like a, like a touchdown dependent flex play. I would say, you know, that's where yeah. he would, he would land. Uh, if you're wondering, um, you know, a couple of these other running backs, like just right around there, just in case you're wondering like where they are, uh, right outside the top 30. I have Latavius Murray, Gus Edwards, ahead of Latavius Murray, Karen Williams, Tyler Algier, Benny Snell. That's where those guys lie, mm. pretty much. Um, but yeah, that's it, guys. Just wanted to kind of give you a preview there. Uh, if you're looking for the rankings, the full rankings, you know, you can go to patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy. Uh, the link is in the description. You can check it out. All right. We'll we'll be back tomorrow with our wide receiver rankings and our tight end rankings. Hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday. See you guys later. Peace. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 